top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already down. know. You it's more already know. I think that's how it always goes. Like 45 minutes, and we were at like Chelsea. What are we doing? Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. Welcome back to Top Bins, the show bringing you all the action for the next month at least or so from the World Cup from, regrettably, Qatar. Uh, I am your host, Matt, not joined by my usual co-host, Dom. I am instead joined by Kyle. Kyle, how are you? I am, as you say on the show that will follow this one up, living the dream. Yeah, we are all, uh, we're all living the dream. Um <laughs> The U.S. Dream still alive after their yes. game against Wales, drawing 1-1. Uh, so they play England on Black Friday. That was always the fixture, I think, to, to look forward to the most, uh, even when the, the, the draw came out. Uh, so I, I am looking forward to that. Um, U.S. still has a shot, which is which is what matters the most coming out of that situation, coming out of the Wales game. A little frustrated that they end up drawing it, but uh, it is what it is. We've had tons of action at the World Cup so far already. A lot of really fantastic games, a lot of goals scored uh, so far, and some early narratives and storylines coming out of it. Uh, Dom's not with us tonight, so we're going to just talk a little bit about like the broader picture of the World Cup right now. Uh, some teams we feel good about, some teams we feel bad about, uh, maybe a little bit of panic and things like that. Um, but yeah, we're just going to get a broad, because we haven't even had every team play just yet. Uh, still waiting on two groups tomorrow uh, before we cycle back to the top of the order on Friday. Um, Kyle, we got some questions that is going to lead us into some responses. Yes. Uh, so, Matt, after, you know, this first quote-unquote week, two teams you're feeling better about. So, we did like a, a, a small preview about the World Cup. We didn't go team by team, uh, you know, because I just think everyone does that. And I, I don't know how helpful it actually is because after like a week, uh, half the teams are out of the tournament anyway. Um, so you spend a lot of time just researching and, you know, giving information that ultimately I don't think is actually all that helpful. I think people are really more interested in, you know, who's going to win, who's could, who could be a surprise upset and who could maybe go out earlier than we expect. Um, one team we didn't get to talk about too much on the show because we didn't really... Uh, pick them for for any of like our, our categories that we had is Spain. Um, I had a good feeling about Spain coming into the tournament. My biggest concern was goal scoring. Um, even though they had had a really productive Euros, they scored a lot of goals there and made it to the semifinal, took Italy uh, to extra time and penalties. Um, I was worried about like not having an established true star, which which they still don't. Uh, they, they really made me look stupid today because they beat Costa Rica 7-0, uh, tied one of the, the largest uh, like goal differences in, in a game in World Cup history. And it was really spread out amongst uh, you know, a group of like three, four players. And I, I think 
this team, you know, Luis Enrique is probably one of the best managers at the World Cup, if not the best. Uh, he's had, a, obviously, a, like a really accomplished club career. Um, you know, they just have tons of talent, and the way the Spain team plays uh, really just dominate possession. I think they could be a real nightmare to play against once we get to the knockouts, if they get rolling and get some confidence. Uh, Gavi becomes the youngest goal scorer at a World Cup since Pele in 1958. Uh, so he's got <laughs> rarefied air uh, to, to be hanging out with. He had a fantastic finish today. But, yeah, Spain, I just think um, I think they've looked really, really good in that. It's one game. You know, we, we've only, you know, just seen them play Costa Rica so far. But um, I any possible doubts I had about them, at least from a goal-scoring, you know, aspect, I think have really been washed away, um, even from that one performance. In France... France, I, I, I think I told everyone to maybe not bet on France. You know, it felt like Kareem Benzema gets injured, uh, you know, at the beginning stages of this World Cup, you know, in training. So he's out with a thigh injury. Uh, you know, they already were missing N'Golo Kante, Paul Pogba from this tournament. Uh, Christopher Nkuku gets injured. Like, they've just kind of had this, like, this not great start. There's been, I think, some, like, off-field turmoil, too, coming into the tournament. And France, as a national team, have been prone to some blow-ups, some explosions in the past. And it felt like maybe we were hurtling that way. Um, and then they play Australia. Australia goes 1-0 up. And you think, like, wow, like this is uh, this is, this is is just going to go the way we kind of expected it to, is it? But France fight back. They, they end up winning the game 4-1. Olivier Giroud with a brace. Uh, he becomes tied for France's all-time score with Thierry Henry at 51, uh, which is, I think, a little bit surprising when you consider <laughs> Olivier Giroud's, like, profile. Not typically a player that we think of that way, but... Um, yeah, I was not sharp on France, and I think Australia is probably like one of the bottom, you know, tier teams at this World Cup. I, I wouldn't say that they're like particularly amazing at, at anything, and I think that they'll probably, you know, guard this group perhaps winless. But I do think that the fact that France were able to to show a lot of that offensive effort, um, killing Mbappe looked great, and that is going to be obviously the the big point for them in this World Cup. If he's performing well, I think France, you know is going to perform well too um i would still be slightly concerned though uh, i i wasn't like fully because they did get dominated for the first 20 minutes against australia um i think the midfield of france is still like it's young and and that back line is young too um luca hernandez gets hurt and i actually think ironically maybe to france's overall benefit i thought the team looked much better when Teo hernandez comes in his younger brother um and there's a saying in American football and that sometimes people uh, throw around, which is like, this team is one injury away from being a good team. Uh, sometimes you have to have like that, I don't know, like scratched in starter get injured. Mm -hmm. um, maybe they're not performing at the level that they should, or maybe they don't fit the system exactly how they should. And there's maybe a player that kind of expands your horizons a little more. I personally feel that that way about Taylor Hernandez and he showed it, uh, had an assist in that game and, him and Kylian Mbappe on the left wing, I think you're constantly overlapping is going to cause nightmares for everyone in this tournament. And when you consider that, you know, outside of England, uh, the fullback positions everywhere you look in, in the international scene are not at the, the highest order, especially the right back. That could be a huge benefit to them. You know, I, I just, I can't see many teams coping with that very well. Um, so yeah, the, the midfield, I think I, I still have some concerns about, but as far as, you know, crashing out of the group, anything spectacular, I think we can very much say that's, that's out of bed. When you win your first game too, 84% of the time, uh, you, you go through and, and advance from your group. So it does not seem like we're going to get the France blow up that maybe some part of us kind of wanted, <laughs> I mean, if I'm being honest. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you look at 
some of the teams that that came to draws too, and then you look at you know the the I think one of the biggest upsets in recent World Cup history with Saudi Arabia upsetting Argentina, who mm-hmm. were a lot of people's favorites. Um, I still can't believe that that happened. Um, there was a video on Twitter that I saw somebody saying uh, they met. It, it was like somebody from the U.S. met somebody from Saudi Arabia, and the guy from Saudi Arabia asked, you know, what do you think about our game tomorrow? And the guy from the U.S. had no idea that they were playing Argentina. He was like, I think Saudi Arabia wins. And he was like, if I would have known they were playing Argentina, I would have laughed in his face. But turns out I, I was right. Um, that game is wild to me that that happened. Yeah, um, it, I, it's wild for a lot of people. You know, it's the World Cup does provide like the environment for upsets like this. It doesn't happen often. Um, you know, but every World Cup, you do kind of get like one of these these upsets. You know that that you don't quite expect. Um, and this, as far as like World Cup history is, is up there, is going to be talked about for years to come in terms of uh, you know just again we'll we'll remember Saudi Arabia beating Argentina. Is that a sixteen beating a one in, yes. in March Madness? Yes, essentially, this, this would be definitely like comparable to a sixteen beating a one. Um, UMBC. Yes, they there. <laughs> it, it does happen like more frequently because you know like you have ninety minutes. It's one mm-hmm. game. You know, there's just, like, this sport is defined by just, like, flash moments. And you see it, like, explored through this game, where Argentina have a few goals chalked off for offsides in the first half. Really narrow margins. You're talking, like, half an inch in some cases, where, you know, if the attacker just starts his run, like, a millisecond later, it's a goal. And, you know, Argentina's 2-0 up at halftime, and maybe they cruise to the win, right? But um, Saudi Arabia, you know, like, you look to it, even the expected goal numbers, um... Not particularly great. <laughs> uh, 2.26 for Argentina, 0.15 for Saudi Arabia. So uh, low probability all the way around, but it happens. You know, and that's, that's I think, the, the big takeaway is, like, you can't be surprised when results like this come up because, you know, you're bound to, at, at some point, have, uh, have some upsets within this tournament. Um, we'll get to them later in the show about, like, how, how worried we should be about Argentina. But I would say just generally... The way they played in that game, I, I'm not too concerned about them going forward. Mm-hmm. And we've seen, we have seen a team lose their first game and go on to win the World Cup. Spain in 2010 lost to Switzerland, one uh, 0 on their opening match, ended up winning the the entire thing. So it's still like within their reach. This group is still very open. Um, I wouldn't be like throwing anything out the window just yet, but uh, not a great start <laughs> at all. <laughs> not how you want to start. Uh, and then the other thing, obviously, we, we talked about. Team USA tying, but uh, Gareth Bell just haunts this podcast I to no avail. Absolutely hate this guy. <laughs> just, I'm sick of it. I'm sick. It's of three it. times now. Like that. that thir- there you go. They come in threes. Yep. Gareth Bell, get the fuck out of our <laughs> lives. <laughs> I'm so fucking sick of this dude in this top knot. Um, he's ruined my life on so many different occasions now. Um, really, just it's a frustrating goal to give up to Zimmerman. Doesn't need to make the challenge that he does. And I think what's frustrating too is him and. Tim Ream played really well in that game, and that's, I think now the takeaway, though, is going to be, like, Zimmerman and how, like, terrible he, he, like, it's just, it sucks to, like, one, and it is a bad decision, it is a bad challenge, but I just, I hate that, that one moment just cancels out the other, mm-hmm. like, 98 minutes that him and Tim Ream played very well in this game, and I think frustrated Wales in a lot of ways, so, um, yeah, it, it sucks, you know, I, I think really the U.S. could have been a lot more aggressive, especially in that first half, especially in the first, like, 10 minutes of the second half. Felt like Wales were still there for for another goal. Um, I, I'm not totally sure why Gio Reyna doesn't see the field. Uh, Greg Berhalter says it's because he still, like, has some muscle tightness, 
Giorena says he's completely 100% fit, ready to play. Players never going to admit that they're maybe not at their mm-hmm. most healthy, so who knows? Like, it's it's just tough, you know. I, I just think it's it's a it's a frustrating result. It's one of those draws that feels like a loss, and that happens in the sport where you know sometimes a draw feels like a win. It really feels like yeah. you you really earned that, and then sometimes like in this case where it feels like you really had the opportunity. I think especially in that first half, you had whales on the ropes and um, were not able to come out with a win. I think the only I think the the bright side though is that you have Iran you have Iran on the last day, mm-hmm. and they could very well be just completely out of it and and that's it. Now that can go one of two ways. Sometimes you see teams just completely pack it in. Sometimes it becomes a pride thing. They play a little more loose without the expectation and and we'll see. But um, you know you have this this England challenge now on Friday. Harry Kane dealing with an ankle injury, so you know maybe not at his best. Um, but England have plenty of depth, so. Uh, they can pull off a shocker, though. I mean, it's totally within reason that the I mean, the U.S. could beat England, but I think the more reasonable thing is they could get a draw out of that game. I don't think it's completely inconceivable. It's more likely that England wins, but um, you know, the U.S. still have uh, still have a shot at getting out of this group. They still have uh, you know a good probability, and I think we're all kind of rooting for a Wales Iran draw. I think that would uh, likely be the the best situation for uh, for the U.S. Now that's that's what we're rooting for at 5 a.m. on Friday, <laughs> and I think even. With the draw against Wales, like, with this Team USA squad being, you know, relatively one of the younger teams in the World Cup, like, that experience alone, I think, is just a confidence boost that, like, sure, you were up for the first 45 minutes, but then you go to a tie against a team that has, you know, seasoned talent on it, like Gareth Bale, um, to be able to, you know, pull to a draw in your first World Cup game in eight years, I think, even though it's not the result you exactly wanted, it's a confidence boost going forward for the rest of the group phase. Yeah, I think I think you made a really good point too that this is one of the youngest teams. Each like everyone has kind of a different metric for like how young the US actually are. It's like between twenty four and twenty five. I don't know how it's like varied this much, but um yeah, you know, they, they are if not the youngest team, one of the youngest teams at this World Cup. Um and, you know, you look at a lot of the talent on the field, you know, like and it, it is these guys that it's their their first moments. DeAndre Yedlin is the only player that, that saw the field that had played in a World Cup before, you know. So um, it has been eight years since the U.S. have been here, uh, which is, you know, quite a gap. Um, and I think, you know, if you're, if, if you're thinking like as forward thinking, right, not that you're abandoning this World Cup already, but, you know, if you're looking towards 2026 and where this team could be, now that you have this experience, you have these players, and, you know, they're, they're growing and developing at, at a really – you know, like respectable right they're they're playing in top leagues now like you know the, this this national team is just in such a different place than it was in 2014 2010 um, where they had good players but you know they it did not feel like there was a steady stream of them you know it felt like we were really stuck with like two or three really good guys and then we we're sort of like coloring in the lines for the rest not that those players were bad but you know i think generally we have better quality all around whereas it's you know it used to just be you know two or three guys sort of carrying the load for everyone um I think the U.S. Are, are still in a good position, and I think you see some of that youth in that game, too. You know, I think you saw a little bit of nerves from them, um, and I think, too, you saw, like, just the the big qualm with you, the U.S. and their talent is uh, injury records and health, and I think you saw in that second half a lot of cramping, a lot of guys hobbling off. Weston McKenney was dealing with an injury coming into the World Cup. He clearly did not look at his best um, you know, after about like 30, 35 minutes, he definitely looked like he was a little bit off. And you could definitely see, I think that's around where the U.S. performance does start to drop off a little bit too. Um, I was really happy to see that we got the Musa, uh, Tyler Adams, and Weston McKinney, 
uh, midfield trio. Like that is, I think the, just the, the best midfield we can line up with. Um, you know, we see Brendan Aronson come on too. And I, I, I like seeing him later in the games because we know that he has that energy and that stamina that can really give teams problems. I'll say that I, I think what makes me happy too is this team was really good when they were in control of the game. Like the U.S.'s MO has kind of been like a, maybe more of a counter-attacking team. And they showed definitely bits and pieces of that in the second half. But I did like that they were able to control the tempo so well in the first half. I think that bodes well for their future. If you're looking forward to an Iran uh, game, that could be like a, a big flashpoint too. Like the fact that the U.S. is able to maybe break down what is a, has been a low block from Iran so far in this tournament. And that, you know, they're going to be able to be comfortable in possession and perhaps actually like win that game rather than have to depend too much on like catching teams on the break. 100%. And Matt, before we get into the flip side of, you know, two teams we're feeling better about, we'll get into two teams we feel worse about. But that segment of this episode and every episode of the Top Ends podcast is brought to you by PHI Apparel Company, our fantastic merch partners. Uh, you know, they provide unique designs and high-quality clothing for the great fans of football, soccer, whatever it may be. And, of course, in our backyard, the great fans of Philly with their original designs for all. There's no doubt you'll stand out in the crowd. Officially, there's Top Bins merch. Top Bins logos on a t-shirt right now. You can go get that at phiapparel.co. And you guys can use our code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any apparel when you shop online at phiapparel.co. It's code underground for 10% off at phiapparel.co. And it won't be up in time for Black Friday, but it'll be up shortly after. And I was told today from uh, Tyler, our merch partner, uh, you know, person we work with, they're running a sale all through Christmas. So it's it's going to go from Black Friday all the way through Christmas. And Matt, I'm going to tease the Top Ends listeners with part of the merch capsule. It's going to be available. It's going to be up for three seconds on the screen. I want you all to think of uh, the clothing company that has the red rectangle across it, uh, but make it top bins. So here we go. Three, two, one. That's going to be on a shirt. Going to be on a hoodie. Uh, so if you saw it, you saw it. If you didn't, you didn't. But shout out to our merch partners at PHI Apparel Company. Yeah, shout out to them. Keeping the uh, the threads nice for all of us during the uh, the winter season to come. So Matt, two teams now after this first round of games we've had that we're feeling worse about. We obviously mentioned Argentina a little bit. Not necessarily that we're feeling worse about them, but, you know, not a great start. But who are two teams we're feeling worse about uh, since this World Cup has gotten underway? Yeah, so the first is Poland. Not a team that I loved coming into the tournament. Um, did not expect a lot from them. They've really underperformed at pretty much every major tournament in my lifetime. <laughs> um they now, though, have Robert Lewandowski, who's one of the, the top strikers playing now and one of the best ever. Um, just an incredibly talented player, um, yet can't quite seem to ever figure out how to use him. Still has not scored a goal at a World Cup. Had a great opportunity when he had a penalty in this game against Mexico, and it was saved by Ochoa, who just, for whatever reason, if I could liken it to an American reference, is like Jimmer Fredette in uh, in like March Madness, where he just like World catches. Cup Ochoa is built different. It's uh, it's unreal. I I don't I'll never fully understand it, but I will embrace it. Um, so he has his penalty saved, and that was really like one of his only impacts on the game. Though he only had one other shot in the game, and that was off target. And I just think when you have a player of his talent. You should be finding more ways to get him involved. I, I think it's it's a real problem for them, um, and I, I didn't like the way that they played. I I think it's just a, it's 
it's a, it's a f philosophical issue I think I have with the way Poland play. Um, and again, you know, you just have like a, a talent like him and you just can't find a way to get him involved. Mm -hmm. Like every national team manager of any nation, you know, like not even, you know, even if you're including some of the big boys, um, the, the perennial like uh, powerhouses would love to have a player of his caliber. Um, they would love to have the problem of how to figure out one of the best number nines playing right now and, and how to get him involved. And Poland haven't been able to do that um, at, at any point really with him. So um, it, it's super frustrating. And I just think uh, I'm not sure they make it out of the group. I, I did not like their performance against Mexico. Um, I think that was their best opportunity really to, to get three points um, and perhaps make it out of the group because, you know, you, you get the, those points early and, and there you have it, right? Like you already have that nice springboard into your next two games, but um, I feel, I feel a lot worse about Poland and I did not feel great about them coming into the tournament. Um, and I feel worse about Denmark. Denmark, I think were a very popular dark horse pick for a lot of people. They had a really impressive euros. Um, they made it to the semifinals and that was obviously with the background of Christian Eriksen having cardiac arrest. And, you know, there was a lot of, I think, emotion. And I think, I think people just became very attached to this team. I'm mm -hmm. not here to say that that's wrong. <laughs> I'm not here to say that you're wrong for having done that. I'm just saying, I think, I think some people let the emotion of all that kind of carry the day rather than the team's actual performance. Uh, they were really outperforming XG a lot in that Euros tournament. Um, they were just kind of running on just, I don't want to call it luck, but they were just, things were going the right way for Denmark. And they played well too. I don't want to diminish the way that they played in that tournament because they did play well and they were able to kind of adapt on the fly. Um, did not love their game against Tunisia. I think the, the biggest concern for me was the attacking play. Um, really did not have a, a ton of clear-cut chances. They don't have like a well-defined goal scorer within this team to begin with. And I, I do have concerns about them going forward about scoring goals. I still think that they probably make it out of this group if I'm being reasonable. But I think this probably tempered people's expectations uh, for this team a little bit. Whereas, you know, people were talking about maybe this team making a quarterfinal, semifinals in the World Cup. I think maybe now people are realizing maybe that's a little too much. Uh, Tunisia are a good team, though. You know, they, like, they, they were frustrated by a very good opponent. Um, they did lose Thomas Delaney to an injury for the rest of the World Cup. That's a big issue, one of their, their big midfield three. Um, so they're going to have to shuffle around there and, and find something new. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a little down on Denmark now. I wasn't hugely on them, you know, to begin with, but I am a, I'm a little concerned about them going forward. And then, uh, you know, you just look, you know, obviously we have a couple more games coming up and everything, but we're, we're going we're gonna to play a little hybrid of you know we play the nle's run differential <laughs> on the main pod we're gonna play the panic o meter uh we already mentioned argentina scale of one to ten on the panic meter where are we feeling on argentina after losing to saudi arabia i hadn't thought about an actual number <laughs> but i know that i'm not too worried i would say i'm like a three it's never good to lose your first game that is just never a good mm -hmm. omen um, and that is just never a good way to start. Because now you, you do kind of push yourself up against a wall now where you need to get the results in the next two games. You're only guaranteed three games of the World Cup. That's it. You know, you, and if you don't perform in just one of those, that could sink your tournament. I do have a lot of faith that they will get the, the results that they need to advance. And then once you're in the, the knockout stages, really, that's it. You know, that, that's, that's all you need to go. It's, it becomes just survive in advance at that point. Um, it's so like yeah. the Phillies for everybody at home. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, just make it in and, and see what happens. And Argentina, to me, are still a team that I, I think can win this World Cup. I still think they have the talent. I did not see anything in that performance that said to me, 
wow, they're like off of it. I, I really felt like they were breaking the lines constantly. They were creating a lot of chances. I think they just got a little bit unlucky. We see this happen sometimes. It gets magnified when you're at a tournament like this. And, you know, every game, every every goal, every every minute matters so much that when you have just this bad result, it feels so much worse. But um, I, ultimately, I think they're going to be fine. I would say like three, maybe a four. Uh, because, again, you just do have to be worried when you lose your first game. You can't just call that nothing. But the performances in this game tell me that I think this team is going to be fine. Messi looked good. Latara Martinez looked good. Those were like the, the key points for me. Um, I still think even defensively they looked good. I know that they conceded two goals to Saudi Arabia, but the chances that they gave up were very limited chances that, again, XG is not the, the be-all, end-all, but they were low-quality chances that they gave up, which is what you want. You know, mm -hmm. if you if I, if I asked you, what kind of defense do you want to have, you would say, I want one that limits opponent chances. Well, that's what that's what they did. They just... Yeah. You know, sometimes, you know, it, um, it, 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 the variance comes for you in the wrong way, in, in a real negative way, and I think that's what happened with Argentina in this game. Yeah, and I mean, you you play that, that Saudi Arabia-Argentina matchup ten times, nine and a half times out of ten, Argentina's probably going to win it. Um, so, I mean, you're not too nervous there. I think I'd be at a three as well with them. And then uh, on the flip side, how worried are we about Germany? Germany a little more worried about. Uh, they lose today to Japan 2-1. The reason I'm, I'm a little more worried about Germany than Argentina is their group is more challenging. And I think there were question marks about Germany coming into this tournament. Um, you know, they did not perform amazing at, at the most recent Euros. Um, and they haven't been, what I would say, like sterling in a lot of like their Nations League games. There's been a lot of questions. I think a little bit, a little bit of flux about this team too. They don't have like a recognized number nine. They're playing Kai Havertz there today. And He's obviously had kind of a tough time of it over the last like 18 months. He's not been at his best level. Not sure that that's his best position either. Um, but they don't really have that like star striker or that just reliable goal scorer like they've had at previous World Cup tournaments. So that's an area of concern for me. Similar to Argentina, when you lose your first game, it's you <laughs> you have to go on alert now. Um, and they play Spain next. Spain who just beat Costa Rica 7-0. Um, that is that has turned now into a must get positive result you have to at least draw that game if you're germany now which is just such a, a harder road that you've made for yourself i would say i'm at a i'm at like a seven with germany in terms of worry because they already you know they get bounced out of the groups in, in 2018 um again to just a little bit of unluckiness but again you know we're just not at their best um and got outplayed in, in a few periods and and that's all it takes you know again when you only have three games if you're not at it just for the one that could that could be enough to mm -hmm. sink you um and I didn't love the concentration I saw today from Germany defensively. Um, I thought the lines got broken a little easy. Japan are a good team. You know, we, we can't discount them at all when we talk about this result. It's not nearly the level of a, a Saudi Arabia upsetting Argentina. The, these, these teams are much closer than I think maybe people quite realize. But, you know, Germany should be, a, a, I, I think when you go 1-0 up, you control the game as well as they did for, for large periods. They had a lot of chances to go two or three up, and that could have been the difference. A um, little similar to Argentina in that, like, you might be ruining some of those chances that you missed. Not so much for offside, just not being clinical enough. Um, but yeah, I just think there, there's question marks about this team and, and maybe where the goals are coming from. See if Leroy Sané is, is healthy to, to play against Spain or, or even their final group match, because um, that could be a, a huge, huge boost for them if you get him. Musiala looked good today. I think there's still good things about Germany. There's still things that I'm positive about that I'm looking forward to. I still think they they created those chances. You just need to be clinical with them. Um, but that's you know that's a big worry. And again, when you go a goal down like that, when 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 you go 
points down like that. You know, you you're, you have no points going into your game against Spain. That's worried because ultimately, if you lose against Spain, then that Costa Rica game probably becomes completely meaningless. Uh, and, and, and Germany, you know, this is a team that comes in with the expectation of making a deep run in this tournament, if not winning it. Want to be in the quarterfinals, semifinals at the very least. Um, and the fact that they could be staring down a group stage exit is very worrying for me. 100%. And, you know, I was thinking about this as we've been talking about everything. Obviously, going into a World Cup, you, like, try to determine who the group of death is. Do you think that's shifted at all from these first few rounds of games uh, where, like, the group of death has kind of, you know, shifted around and is now uh, different than previously conceived? So I, I do think Spain, Japan, Germany, Costa Rica were considered one of the... Like, we haven't seen what is, in my opinion, the true group of death in Brazil, Cameroon, Serbia, Switzerland. And when you go by ELO rating, this is one of the toughest groups of the last, like, 60 years. Because um, there's a lot of... Like, every team in there is a quality team. And that has performed well domestically, you know, in their, their domestic, like, um, like, uh, like uh, confederation tournaments, right, at the Euros at uh, AFCON, things like that, right? Like, we, we've seen these teams all do very well, um, and not just in those, but historically, too. Um, so I still think that's the toughest group. Yeah, I, Spain, Japan, Germany, Costa Rica, does maybe Costa Rica is the outlier in that group, but even them are not a, a bad team. Mm-hmm. I know they got <laughs> absolutely taken out behind the Woodhouse today by Spain, but Spain are, are, are a very strong team. Um, I still think that, you know, rings true to, to me in terms of, yeah, that, that's kind of what I thought. You know, that's, that kind of lines up with where I was. As far as like just general strength of, of of groups, I would say Group F is maybe a little better than what we thought. You know that that could maybe be a team, uh, a group we look back and think, wow, that was kind of a, a stacked mm-hmm. team. Canada played very well today against Belgium. I think they're very unlucky to not get a positive result out of that game. I think they'll really be ruining missing that penalty. Um, but Thibaut Courtois just he ruins lives. What can I say? <laughs> we've, we've all been there. Um, you know, so Belgium obviously escaped with, with three points in that game. Croatia and Morocco, I, I think, put on a good performance. It was a nil-nil draw. You know, those aren't always the most fun to watch, but I think both teams showed me something in that game where I think, like, they could, I, I think either team could, could make it out of this group, and Canada can make it interesting. So I actually think this group maybe we weren't as hot on. Maybe we, they, it didn't get the, the narrative, the, the, the talk as maybe some other groups did, but Group F, I think, is maybe a little more uh, challenging and a little bit more even than maybe we expected. Yeah, and uh, before we get to what we have up next, guys, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, they're here. They're pretty much here by the time you guys are listening to this, and no better way to get a, a, a perfect quality gift for your loved ones, the people in your lives, than with a high-quality Bino board. All of their World Cup boards are now live on their website. is uh, a game and lifestyle brand based in Phoenix, Arizona. Bino's goal is to provide provide the highest quality boards in a true brand experience and every part of their boards have been tested time and time again for the best possible playability so that every flickers experience is a positive one bring the world together with Bino and here's some someone's story from the other side of the pitch uh it's the best next big tabletop game for your man cave your she shed tailgates or those world cup watch parties uh that you'll probably be having this weekend with an extended holiday weekend if you're here in the States, uh, our listeners, you guys can use code Bino USP. That's B I N H O U S P for 10% off any order at BinoBoard.com, including the world cup collection boards, the officially licensed arsenal and Liverpool boards, as well as board accessories and apparel. That's code Bino USP for 10% off at BinoBoard.com. 
And with the World Cup here, there's no better way to host your watch parties than with games of Bino at the ready. Matt, we have here on the uh, on the rundown, which World Cup player should you root for? And I think, you know, that's a, a big thing for a lot of the casual, uh, you know, soccer fans out there that really only tune in for the World Cup. And even if, you know, you are tuned in year-round like you and Dom are for the Premier League, Serie A, MLS, whatever it may be, uh, finding your guy, I think, a, a, is a big thing in, in almost any sport. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, and the World Cup is known for, like, throwing out these uh a lot of times, like, younger players, like, break out stars, and typically, you know, there's always a transfer window. Typically, it's, it's normally in the summer, um, and these guys usually make, like, a big move, you know, move to a big club team. There's always at least two or three of these players um, that emerge, um, and, you know, maybe you want to get in on that. Maybe you want to get on that ground floor and, and just attach yourself. Maybe, you know, you might be rooting for the U.S. Maybe you're open to finding some some new players. So, I'm going to do this quiz with you, because there I know that you obviously, you produce you produce the pod, you know, you, you hear me and Dom talk about it, but I know, generally speaking still like you know you're probably looking for that guy maybe yeah to more be... keen on the u.s guys than at the national level i would say yes okay so your level of fame kyle you want to do you want a player who's a hidden gem is kind of well known or is famous i'm gonna go hidden gem hipster moment i respect it okay uh world cup odds how important is contending for the title do you prefer underdogs a trophy would be nice or we're here to win hmm I mean, being that, you know, the, the basis of our network being formed was formed on an underdog story, uh, I'll, I'll ride with the underdogs. Prefer the underdogs. Also respect that. Uh, do you want a grizzled veteran or a first-timer? Experience is overrated, or I want someone who's been there before at the World Cup. Um, let, let's, let's stick with the, the underdog story. Let's give experiences a little overrated. A fresh face. Uh, where should they hail from? Do you want to you want to follow like someone from Europe, Asia, or Africa, or the Americas? Um, let's keep it hometown. hometown let's go the Americas. America. Okay, should this player be good at shooting penalties? Now I know you don't care for, <laughs> but I think you would agree with this statement. Shootouts are silly anyway. Be at least okay at it. Yes, give me a player who lives for that moment. This can be important. In Very the World true. Cup. Very true. And I think in the World Cup, it is like that much more elevated. Uh, so give me someone who lives for that moment. Which position is your favorite? So do you do you want like a, a forward, midfielder, defender? Who are we looking for right here? Well, let's roll with the goal scorers. I'm going to go forward. Forward. Uh, do you prefer the glory of the goal or the joy of helping teammates? There's nothing like a pretty pass, or you can't win if you don't score. If you're not first, you're last. You can't win if you don't score. There's a lot of truth that's to me. The, the big the goal scorers get the big bucks. Yes. You know, like it's it's their faces are plastered everywhere. It's hard as hell to score a goal, actually. Uh what are your feelings on drawing fouls? I'd rather hit someone than be hit, or flopping is just the smart thing to do. A little bit cynical, maybe. Um I'm gonna say I'd rather hit someone than be hit. You got Jamie McLaren uh, from <laughs> Australia. <laughs> uh, so you are you're a Socceroo now, uh, which is I'll take it. Shout I out think, to the Aussies. Which is spiritually, he has a, a great facial hair setup. Um, he does. So you have that going for you. I know that a lot of the Australian players are also Scottish. Uh, there's a lot of like there's like six or seven Scottish players. I don't know if Jamie Jamie McLaren is one. I'd say based off the name, just might Let's be. Uh, but 
there we go. That is your uh, that's that's Kyle Bennett's <laughs> officially uh, my guy. Officially your guy. I mean, he's got like nice he's got nice sleeve tattoos. Uh, the Sagaroos are fun. They're they're like a fun team to root for. Um, in general, same age. Same age. A little bit older than me, but I'll take it. Almost same height. There we go. It looks like he is from Australia. Very nice place from Melbourne City. He's in the Manchester City like ownership group. A little, a little icky, a little, a little icky, icky for me personally. But um, yeah, there we go. Jamie McLaren. Uh, <laughs> did not expect that one. Not at all. So there we go, Kyle. Uh, News to me up. that the Australians are that Australia is part of the Americas. Too. Yeah, I'm a little. I I guess they kind of have to because the... like Europe and Africa are like very clearly there. But like, you I guess think it'd be more. I, really, I guess relative to Asia because they have like. They're like qualify through like the Asian and like Pacific Ocean qualifying, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so I would think that they would just have a separate category for that. But hey, you know what? <laughs> we, hey, Australia is like spiritually a little American, you know. Yeah, I, they're. I think, I think they're fun in like every sport. Yeah, like they're uh, generally a fun crowd to to roll with. Gotta so. see if he's on Twitter now. <laughs> Jamie McLaren, he's a great fit for you. Match seven of your eight answers. The only thing, interesting. Uh, the only thing we he isn't. Oh, I guess yeah. So he's not. We selected okay. from the Americas, but he's actually from Asia or Africa. So they did uh, lump him in with Asia, which is which is where he's qualifying for. Um, good on penalty kicks, apparently. And it's big. <laughs> maybe maybe he'll score. Let's <laughs> we'll see. It would be quite the moment if he did. But now I feel obligated that I have to like buy his his national jersey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Australian ones are always nice. Um, the Australia women's from the last World Cup, I think, are some of my favorite national team jerseys ever. Um, so, yeah, they've got some good stuff. So we've got games on the horizon this week coming up, obviously on Friday. Uh, we, got, we got Black Friday uh, World Cup action. We've got Thanksgiving World Cup action. Um, which games are you looking forward to the most that we have on deck for this, like, second wave? Um, I think the, I'm, I'm just showing you. Those the, are gorgeous. Uh, yes. <laughs> like some of my absolute Those favorites are great. ever. <laughs> like just the best. Um, obviously the big one is, is USA England. Um, I think that's the one that, that everyone is going to be sort of attached to. I'm really looking forward to tomorrow. You know, I picked Uruguay as one of my like dark horse, uh, teams. Uh, finally get to see them play. You know, we, we still, like I said, have two whole groups that we haven't seen play at all. Brazil, Serbia is going to be fantastic. Um, you know, and then you obviously have uh, France, Denmark. Denmark has beaten France twice in the Nations League, and you know, I know I said I was down on them, but you know they have performed well in like the big moments. Uh, Sunday you get Spain and Germany, you get Argentina, Mexico on Saturday. You have like a lot of really good matchups in this uh, in this second wave coming up that could determine a lot within the group. Monday you get Portugal, Uruguay. Like everywhere you look, you're getting uh, really really good uh, fixtures and and a lot of juicy matchups and. You know, by the time we're back next week, we'll have uh, quite a few of these groups, you know, will be decided. You know, like we'll already be, you know, talking about, uh, you know, who's qualified for the, uh, you know, the knockout stages in, in a few of these groups. So that'll be fascinating. We'll get a lot more clarity um, on a lot of the, the early early narratives of this World Cup. Yeah, I mean, looking at, at you and Matt, or uh, you and Dom's surprise teams to get out of their groups. You had Ecuador, Dom had South Korea, uh, and then to not make it out, you have Brazil. Contingent on jury's, some things. Jury's still out. Jury's still out. And uh, Dom had Senegal. Um, and then your dark horse, Uruguay. And then Dom has Belgium. 
So we'll keep an eye on those. Argentina not off to the greatest favorite start. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Could be doing better. But uh, we'll, we'll see how they bounce back. And, uh, you know, we, we've been talking, too, just like in our, our group text that we have for the show and then just in general, like, to have our high school football uh, game early in the morning along with World Cup soccer and then NFL here. Like, it's like the big old smorgasbord of sports that we typically don't have going throughout the day, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Knowing that I'm an early riser, knowing like it was great. I woke up, I wake up at work for like around five. So I woke up immediately and I had a live soccer game to watch, which was kind of nice. I, I, won't lie. <laughs> I could, I could actually do with that more of that in my life, I think. But, um, that's why I like Italy so much. Cause there's usually an early, like six thirty game. So like I'm up for that, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's kind of, I mean, we're going to have like, I don't know what is it like 16 hours straight of like sports tomorrow and then like a big like feast in the yeah. middle of it so um yeah it is like i know we talked about on the main show about the uh sports gasm yes <laughs> when we had the union the phillies all the other philly sports playing all at the same time i don't know what you would call this i think it, it's just again just like it's a footy gasm yeah we'll never have this again in our, our lifetime because they're well Shouldn't speak too soon, I guess. But there's very likely not to be another Winter World Cup. Um, so, you know, we won't really have this circumstance again. But, you know, obviously here in America, the tradition is American football on Thanksgiving. And then you have world football on top of that uh, throughout the day. Um, i trying to say, who competes? Brazil-Serbia competing for some uh, airtime with uh, with Bills-Lions hey, tomorrow. That's going to be... T- I'll take that. It's going to be, uh, we have to change the channel we'll a few times. <laughs> we'll double screen some things up. and Might have to bring the uh, the iPad to dinner in, uh, in second We'll have the and... laptop set up. and Right. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, just an experience that, you know, we've never had. And obviously, you know, there's some things that are pretty shitty about what's going on with the World Cup big time. Yeah. Um, I will say... Pretty cowardly that uh, I, I was really disappointed because a lot of these these European teams had made this kind of uh, agreement that they were going to wear these one love armbands, yeah. and the, the armbands themselves really not. They were definitely like you could see it like construed as a, a statement about LGBTQ plus rights, and they were not like a typical like rainbow mm-hmm. across the board. It was sort of this like looked like an oil spill type yeah. of, of thing. Um, it was as like PR and like milk toast of a message as I think you could possibly mm-hmm. put out. It's very much non-offensive at all. And it's also about something that's like also very non-offensive, just like people right. getting to exist. So I was really disappointed that the teams backed down from that. I was really disappointed too in FIFA's messaging that they were going to yellow card the players yeah. for wearing those because I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't see that working. And to me, sports and politics are intrinsically linked. They just are, mm-hmm. especially this game. That is a, a working man's game. I know that, you know, a lot of times we look at these players, and they've made so much money, but it's one of the few areas of, of life still and of employment where, like, you can have someone... It, it's it's incredibly diverse in who can make it to this level. Mm-hmm. You know, there are obviously benefits still for people that are more well-off to, to have those extra advantages and support systems, but you talk to a lot of these players and, and hear their backstories. A lot of them come from very like very poor households like low-income places like and they've risen to the top and have certainly got there on merit and ability um rather than just you know whoever you know gave them their job right like it's just and so it's just frustrating to me you know to see them back down from that message because to me i think especially like here in america we've had some very like tragic events over the past week uh with, with shootings and i just think 
it's a bad time to to not want to stand up for people that are just trying to exist and you know it's, it's deeply disappointing to me that, that they, they back down from that and i think it's disappointing too from fifa to to make it an issue in that way mm-hmm. um you know just again it really highlights just what a mistake it was giving this world cup to qatar and they're flirting with saudi arabia for 2030 um i just i, I think it's it's ridiculous you know and it's 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 it is it is i'm glad that the, these stories have not gone away mm-hmm. um and that we're, we're still talking about these things you're still having like you know, Wales uh, had like a bunch of their, you know, what's interesting about a lot of these supporter groups is they usually have groups within the groups. Right. Um, so like Wales has a, an LGBTQ plus group like within it and they wear like these rainbow bucket hats. And again, you looking at the hats, you probably can't even tell that they're really rainbow mm-hmm. because like Wales has like bright, like reds, yellows, yeah. greens as a part of their color anyway. Um, they had their bucket hats confiscated at the gates, which again, is just like, what are we doing? You know, like I, I just... To me, it is a human right. I'm all for, like, when you go to other places, respecting the culture of those places, right? If that means instead of shaking hands, you hug, you bow, right. you, you fist kiss bump. on the cheek, you fist bump, whatever. Like, you know, this is the way we eat here, right? Mm-hmm. We don't use these types of utensils or it's it's really impolite to do this. Whereas, like, in your country, it's it's no one would bat an eye at it. Like, those types of things, yes. Like, when you're talking about, like, people having rights to exist and, and like, be who they are, I like, that to me is not a respecting your culture to me that is like you should be bringing yourself up to what is an acceptable standard for everyone like i'm just treating humans like humans so um has been a a tough world cup for 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 that aspect of it all but um you know i'm like i said i'm I'm glad that that story has not fallen off Mm -hmm. the path that people are still having that discussion about it yeah and then i don't know if you saw the uh the viral tweet it was uh somebody had a like silicone sleeve that looked like a coca-cola can over an ipa and then uh i believe the twitter handles at nick's tape 99 quotes me and said uh risking going to a middle eastern jail for an ipa is one of the wildest things i've ever seen it's yeah that's a bold strategy <laughs> i'll say that much um yeah i mean even the drinking you know like a few days before the world's cup they decide that they're actually not going to have beer within the stadium i'll say this like i'm not a big drinker i know you aren't like it's I do think, I do think a healthy discussion we could have about this yeah. is the insistence that people have to drink to right. enjoy these events. I do think there's some merit to having that discussion. However, I think people should have the option mm-hmm. to. I you know I think it's weird, like literally days before, to have like canceled that idea. And I'm imagining not that I care much about Budweiser and yeah. like how they feel, but I'd have to imagine they're pissed off that they spent spent millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars. Uh, for that sponsorship to be the official beer of the World's Cup, um, and are are you know are now unable to kind of have their product <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, apparently, it's just Budweiser Zero. Is yes, what's available, and they don't serve it until after six thirty p.m. Right. So, uh, and again, there there are cultural differences, mm-hmm. right? Like the 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 Islamic faith is you know forbids drinking, and like fair enough, right? Like you know like, but I, I just. I see both ways here. It's right. like, maybe we should have a more healthy discussion about, like, how dependent we are on alcohol to enjoy yeah. things. But it's also, like, I still think people should be allowed to have a... It's a tough one. <laughs> also pretty wild that every single night there's a free EDM concert. <laughs> yeah. Well, Philly's own Diplo was there. <laughs> in their uh, in their, their fire festival yeah. tents with... Uh, with no I saw one. some of the pictures from those, like... The, the fan Shipping villages. containers. Yeah. That they're calling a fan village, and man, they are 
like <laughs> calling them rough is an understatement. It's uh, it is a tough scene. I I, I feel I. In some ways, I feel bad for people that because you have to spend a lot of money yeah. to go there. Like it's not this is not cheap excursions here. Um, I would just say in twenty twenty six, look forward to you know a much more just normal in the car, <laughs> much more normal situation. Where, I did see where we have hotels. Yeah, <laughs> like I did see something too that was pretty wild, and like they showed like um, like video footage from Qatar, and like it just looked dystopian, and then somebody pointed out. There's no advertisements on the vehicles where, like, the buses and kind of, mm-hmm. like, the, uh, like, Uber-type vans and stuff. Here, they'd be plastered with advertisements and stuff. They're just white in Qatar, and it just kind of looks, like, dystopian almost. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about these cities, too, and these places that are, like, brand new. You know, mm-hmm. they're just, like, sort of, like, cookie-cutter, like, right-out-of-the-cardboard-box types of places that are, have been built specifically for this event, you know, and... That becomes obviously like a broader discussion about like World Cups, the Olympics, like, and, you know, a lot of times countries get them and build all these, these big resources and and it's very intensive on like the local population and they have to pay for it through taxes and things and always goes over budget and, you know, you know, what happens to these places afterwards and like there's mixed success with that. You know, a lot of these stadiums that get built for these types of events just end up sitting there and, and doing nothing. Um, and then the, the, you know, the, the team villages, the fan villages, all those things typically, you know, just don't get used in the same way. So, um, yeah, I, I am wondering what happens to a, a lot of these places now that, uh, yeah. you know, when we're, when we're wrapping up the world cup in a few weeks. And like you said, 2026, I think it is beneficial that the stadiums are already built here. Yeah. Yeah. We have all the, the stadiums, stadiums that'll be getting used in Canada, the U S and Mexico are already built. Yep. They are. And you'll get beer at them. Yep. <laughs> Expensive beer. You'll be paying a lot. Uh, but, yeah. Oh, man. Well, the World Cup's here, Matt. The World Cup is here. It's uh, been great. It's been, it's been good so far in terms of just gameplay. And we'll have more next week with, when Dom is back with you. And uh, make sure you guys subscribe to the Top Ins uh, podcast feed, Apple, Spotify. Leave those five-star reviews. It helps uh, Matt and Dom continue to grow this show to where they want it to be. And then uh, subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. You get full video versions of Top Bins every single week. Smash that like button, ring the bell icon, comment down below uh, your thoughts on the World Cup so far. And once we get to 1,000 subscribers, Matt and Dom are hopping in the uh, World Cup time machine and going back to 2006 and breaking down Italy and Germany from the World Cup back in 06. So you want that content subscribe to the youtube channel uh but matt your final sign off here for episode 74 of top bins uh it has been a, a really entertaining world cup so far um really like even the the nil nil draws have at least been uh engaging in some way i think mexico poland it wasn't my favorite but um a lot of good stuff a lot of the favorites have been like blowing teams out you know france australia uh, you know, Spain blowing it, you know, England, we didn't, we didn't even mention that much, you know, just absolutely taking it to Iran. So, you know, we've seen some of these, these big teams, uh, really put, uh, you know, other, other nations away in a very heavy handed manner, hoping England is <laughs> hoping they spent a lot of that, uh, that offensive load, uh, against Iran and, and we were spared a little bit of that, but yeah, I, I've been impressed with, with some of these favorites and how they've handled business so far. That is not typical. You know, we, we see these guys win, but, the margin of victory has been something that uh, I, I'm, 
I'm very curious about to see how that continues as uh, as we carry on with the rest of the group stage. So there it is. Uh, another episode of Top Bins in the Books. Next week, you and Dom, episode 75. Almost at 100, Mark. Almost at 100. And we'll be talking, to, like I said, I think we'll have f- four groups wrapped up by then. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll be halfway through, essentially, like figuring out the uh, the knockout stage. So we'll have plenty to, to, to talk about and, and preview. It's going to be fun. So make sure you guys subscribe. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Shout out Jamie McLaren. And uh, the boys will be back next week. Make sure you go to twitch.tv slash undergroundsportsphi. Matt and I will be talking Philly sports, talking uh, Survivor as well in just a few minutes. So stay tuned for that. Thank you guys for tuning in to Top Bins. And uh, the boys will see you next week.